Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Oh, good day, everyone. How are you going? Uh, Phil Tarrant here, co-host of Investing Insights with Right Property Group. Merry Christmas. Wherever you're listening to this right here as we round out what has been a crazy 2020. And for a lot of property investors, they're probably happy to see the backside of 2020 and looking forward to 2021. But uh, I must admit, some of the investors I've been speaking to reckon it's been the best year of their life when it comes to property investment. We'll have a look at that today and a bit of reflection on the year that has passed. Um, fortunately, I'm joined by two people in the studio, my co-hosts of this great podcast, Steve Waters and Victor Kumar, directors at the Right Property Group. How are you going, Steve? You know, it, it's taken me by surprise because yeah. we're used to the- The sledge. Yeah, the narrative being negative to begin with, but- Well, uh, tis the season. I'm in a festive mood. I don't want to give you a hard time. I know I don't want you sitting there rocking yourself to sleep over your eggnog and your uh, Christmas pudding. <laughs> I, don't know where, I don't know where you live and so how you spend Christmas, but it's certainly not eggnog. But no, doing well. Thanks for asking, Yeah, Phil. Yeah, what's Thanks Christmas caring. looking like for you? Time off? Yeah, I'm going to take a break. Okay. I'll have a couple of weeks off. And then I'll get straight back into it again because as the borders reopen and you know we get a little bit more mobility interstate, we're going to need to be there and touch base with the rest of our team in person yeah. and continue on our merry way. And how do the Kumars celebrate Christmas? You'd have a big chicken or something you'd cook, no doubt, and <laughs> you know there'll be trimmings and all this sort of stuff. No? No, uh, usually it's a very quiet Christmas for us. Yeah. We tend most of the time to go away on Christmas, but this year we're actually staying home. Mm. So we're not having any overseas trips and all that, which is um, sort of good. It's um, got us to reprioritize and um, I'm actually finding myself actually doing some manual labor in the yard and all that sort of You've stuff. You've never which picked is, up a tool in your life. I tell you what, for those that don't know, Victor, manual labor is... A Spanish name. <laughs> I reckon his manual labour is pulling his credit card out of his wallet, right? Oh, he doesn't do that very often either. He's <laughs> just spilled coffee all over himself. That's very, very, very good. But um, I know a lot of people are going to use this period to recharge and have a reflection on on uh, 2020. And um, Christmas is always a good time. And, you know, it's, we did the same podcast last year, right? What's the year ahead look like? And how do you go about capitalising on it? But I don't want to go too much into that um, today. What I think guys want to get into is that for us to have a real frank assessment of 2020 because it depends how you wired, how you are wired and how you see the world is whether or not you've had a good 2020 or a bad 2020. Now, I know a lot of people in business have had a pretty tough 2020. I know a lot of other people in business have had a pretty good 2020 depending on what they sell. If you sell beer and food at a retail outlet, you probably had a pretty bad 2020. But if you sell stuff online like furniture for offices, you probably had a good 2020. Same applies for property investors. Those property investors I know who have seen 2020 as a year of opportunity have had all those things in place that we've spoken about for years on this podcast, Steve. They, they were ready. They were poised. They were prepared. They had their verticomas shit in order, the part of my French. How many people do you reckon were like that over 2020 that you've connected in with? Look, I think it's been a very different year. It's, it's certainly a different crisis that anybody's really ever experienced. And there was an element of the big what if around this because- Clearly, there was an economic repercussion, but there was also an immediate health scenario as well. And I don't think at the beginning, people really knew which way and what to expect. So there was that moment of flux. Then there was the lack of mobility and we saw big job losses. But I think during that process, investors in any asset class were looking for opportunity. And in our space, whether it be you know, in a property as the example, the opportunities quickly started to present themselves, but not in terms of the immediate value proposition, but it was more about, 
well, here's a moment in time where most people are taking a break, if you will, and we can get in and take advantage for the future, mm. so to speak. But then that quickly changed. So the clearly there was the predictions of blood on the streets from all the different institutions and what have you, but they started to scale that down as time went on and as we fast forward to today, well, it's now you know, completely- The opposite. It's yeah. a completely different story. So those that acted early, I think, have done very well. That doesn't mean that the market's run and everybody else has missed out on an opportunity, but the parameters and frameworks to which we operate in have stayed true. Mm. have stayed the same yeah. with yeah. just little nuances. That's right. And I remember uh, as the news broke out about COVID very early in the year, Steve, you recall you and I were downstairs from the office in the restaurant there having lunch and uh, we were discussing that. And then when the lockdown started happening, we were in Perth and we were almost caught out. If you go back to our Facebook page, you'll see the uh, initial video we did back in March. But I also recall at that same moment, we were onto MLS, our, our finance arm, saying, gear up, get us as much money as we can. We didn't know what the opportunities were going to be, but we knew that there was going to be some significant opportunity coming up because of the adversity, right? Now, of course, there are people that get financially hurt whenever there is adversity, but there is also an immense flow of wealth from the unprepared to the prepared, right? Now, the unprepared to the prepared is nothing else except mentality and ready with finance. Preparation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and you could go back to as many podcasts as we've ever done and we've always talked about preparation. Well, you can't, you can't be like. ready immediately, though. Like, you've got to be ready always, and that requires diligence at all That's the times. point. So ready the people, always. Yeah, the people who, who were hurt during COVID weren't ready, and mm-hmm. they'd either overextended during that period of time or they didn't have the base fundamentals. And, you know, for me during COVID... It hasn't been easy, but because I'd built a financial position which could buttress most issues, it wasn't too much of a concern. Same for you guys. And you're able to turn that from being, hey, am I okay to where's the opportunity lie? Mm-hmm. And that's about being reactive and responsive in a crisis. Victor, do you like crises, crises, plural? <laughs> yes and no. Yes, because it always brings opportunity, right? Mm. We just need to recognize the opportunity. Opportunity always comes wrapped up in problems. You've got to solve the problems to get to the opportunity. Mm. And it's often that the no part of this is where people don't know how to handle the problems or aren't prepared to handle the problems. Hence, they become a statistic. So there is a crisis forever, right? If we go back to APRA, if we go back to the elections, if we go back to GFC, there's always been a crisis around. Mm. You just need to be prepared and also not panic. Just how severe they are. But mm. also opportunity doesn't necessarily mean purchasing. That's right. Opportunity yeah. might be the fact that you can withstand mm. a period of time and maybe double down on your position in terms of debt repayment or income producing, putting the rent up, whatever it may be, it doesn't necessarily mean purchasing. And in fact, sometimes you'll make more money by doing nothing True. in terms of purchasing True. and just consolidating. But as you said, Phil, you can't do any of this unless you're in a constant state of preparation. Mm. It's not about being reactive to the market in your own position. It's about being reactive to the market to forward the position. Mm -hmm. So should you always be operating as though you're in crisis mode? I think if you live life on the the negative side of the ledger Mm. or in a paranoia state, it's not healthy. That's not good. No, it's, mm. yeah, you've got to enjoy life and think about what's good in life. Not to get too deep, but it's a true fact. I think you've just got to always have those points of mitigation in place, as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Buffers, buffers, buffers. So prepare but for also, the worst. Yeah, correct. But also a state of education and 
as far down the line as who you surround yourself with. Mm. You know, if you listen to the ABC radio and watch the ABC news, you'd be perpetually depressed and <laughs> you'd want to stick a fork in your eye. Yeah. It, um, it's interesting. That's the national broadcaster. So we all pay. I'm not going to get on my high horse here. We all pay tax dollars. <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? We all pay our, and this is important because about mindset. We all pay tax dollars to help support, underwrite the ABC. So there's a national broadcaster that's supposed to serve as us as tax-paying Australians. Now, me and Victor probably pay a lot more tax than you, Steve, but we're not going to go there. Well, that's because you, know, you earn more money than me. I'm just a poor, but, simple farmer. But, but if you watch the ABC, you're going to be sitting thinking that the world is broken always. Mm. You know, they're, they're in perpetual crisis mode, as in pointing out all that's wrong with the world rather than pointing out all that's right with the world. My view, maybe you disagree with me. Property investors that I know who do it well are always looking at the why they should be doing stuff rather than why they shouldn't be doing stuff. You always got to be having an eye towards the dangers or the complications, but planning around them to see positive proactivity. And the best investors I've seen over COVID-19 have had that attitude. They've gone, where are the issues? Where are the problems? Let me digest that. Let me assess that to your point, Victor. And then what am I going to do about it? To be advantageous as a result, of and it. social media has a big part to play with social that. media. So, and how you and I want to beat up the ABC. There's good shows in the ABC. You know, Four Corners, for example, I watched recently was pretty. Some good. Some mothers do have them. Yeah, back in your vintage. God. It's yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Benny Hill show. Benny Hill. It's um, you know you can't have them anymore. They're, they're is gone. that right? No, no, it's not okay. politically correct anymore. No. Yeah, fair enough. So with social media and, and how you digest it too, has a big part to play, as I was mentioning earlier, and I'm, even during this crisis, because what was in front of your eyes for 90% of the day does sink in. Hmm. And if you look at the people in any asset class that potentially took advantage of these moments of flux, yeah, they were solid. They were focused. The teams and their peers around them were of the same cloth and they weren't going to let negative media determine what their trajectory or their path was. And mm. whilst we could talk about it in, in terms of the COVID, so too was the same as all the other crises. Mm -hmm. Victor, you mentioned earlier on, all the way back to the GFC and even before, go back to the depression. Nothing has changed. Mm. There is always a commonality and you've just got to be prepared for it. Nothing has changed, everything has changed, and that's the cycle of investing in property. So if you go back and look at 2020, Victor, Australia entered what was supposed to be a good year in mm -hmm. terms of property. So if you go back to 2019, the federal election, we actually knew who was going to be in power for the next four years. There was a rule saying they're going to punt our prime minister, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. APRA started to soften some of its sentiments towards lending. Property was starting to shift into gear. The backside of 2019 when people knew negative gearing wasn't going to go away, blah, 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 blah. We've gone through it. Yep. We hit January 2020. Now, if we go back to where we were at that point in time, uh, we we're quite bullish about the market mm -hmm. moving forward. So, you know, then you have February, the COVID started hitting, March, ball turns on its head, particularly in Australia. That's when it really hit home. 28th of March was the highest cases of COVID-19 have been indicated. Everything shuts down. Mm -hmm. So take me from that point to where we are right now. We're recording this in December. We are at now the lowest interest rates in history of, of being recorded. So between late February, March, 2020 to where we are now. What has that cycle been like for you if you go sort of April, May, June, July throughout and how would you map that and, and sort of give some sense to it all about when maybe your attitude changed towards the market when you started really seeing opportunity? Sure. And to take a step back, the first uh, podcast this year, 
we had come out with this is a round number 2020 this is where you start designing your decade for the next decade Correct. and uh, we were putting pieces in place for our clients and for new clients as well in terms of what to do in this decade and true to form one of the first things we had said was that you can't operate on a 40-year plan because there's too many moving parts and there's too many what-ifs and the what-if came in the form of COVID which by March, we're sort of gearing up and ready for a really big year. Lending was starting to ease out. And then, of course, the country shut down. The good thing about it is how we handled COVID and how the economy, the blow to the economy was substantially softened by the incentives and the measures that the government put in both state and federal. And that has had in itself several opportunities. Obviously, most commentators, most people were looking for that Clipfall when the JobKeeper allowances would stop because that was a measure that was put in. And we were on record to say, don't rely on that. The market will do what it does and we need to go back to fundamentals. We've always been investing via fundamentals, but more so than ever, we advocated that you know we need to get back to fundamentals. And by doing so, we've been able to rescue the psychology of investing for people that were as we said with the ABC situation, all bombarded with all of this negative news, right? And when you look at it from the Australian view as well as the greater world, we handled COVID really well, but we also handled the economy extremely well to the point where we've now got the most lowest interest rate ever in Australia. And the flow-on effect of that is that along with the incentives that were progressively introduced by the both state and federal governments, and of recent, the budget measures with uh, each of the state governments as they're rolling out their budgets, all of these were focused on gearing towards more business, making property transactions easier to enter into, and also creating employment. All of the hallmarks of a good, solid run, because the fundamentals are there, right? So the... Pieces didn't all come in together. And um, I um, recall both Steve and I, you know, it was just like two kids in a toy shop that was also a candy shop as well, right? Because this is how the property market was coming together with all the pieces falling in place. And I think we hit the peak of it around October when all the pieces fell into place. And we'd seen it before. That's yes. why we were excited, you know, about excited it. Yeah. around it. But with out of the silver lining in this, and obviously not for everybody because some people have lost their businesses, their jobs and, and everything and their health around it. But if I park that aside for one minute, the silver lining in this is that as a consequence, we have low interest rates, mm-hmm. which is really a sign of the economy, which on the other side isn't that healthy. We have government grants, state and federally, as you talked about. We have infrastructure spends like never seen before. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good things that have come out of this and enabled a big deal of people to be able to purchase that potentially couldn't mm. or wouldn't have for many years come. So take the first time mm-hmm. owners, the stimulation of the building industry. There is the silver linings in this, which I don't think would have been as amplified today had we not had the crisis. Yeah, yeah. So and it's that, a direct cause and effect. That's true. And, and the biggest thing I think has been that it's got a lot of people to sit back and take stock of their lives and in terms of their financials because what's it highlighted 
hard and fast is that there's no such thing as job security, mm. right? There's no such thing as uh, constants in life, right? So uh, things change. And the best part for me was being able to, you know, amplify my time by doing Zoom meetings, right? Although I'm over it now, but that was novel, right? A lot of people started working from home. They started appreciating family. And then as they started that appreciation, they realized, hang on, I need to provide for these people. And therefore, they brought forward their investing plans or they took a long, hard look at their expenditure patterns. Actually, before COVID, we were talking in one of the podcasts, I believe it was, around the level of entrepreneurship now across the planet Mm -hmm. as opposed to what it was 10 years ago because of social media and all these different platforms and what have you. I would also suggest that during COVID, it has made people think about, well, on your vein, Vic, about job security. How can I protect my position? Mm -hmm. Should I become an entrepreneur? Should I buy widgets and sell widgets? Should I be a service? Whatever it may be, just to give them so that they have control as is investing Mm. for the future, having a say in that future position, whether it be retirement or 10 or 15 or 20 years time, whatever it may be. But I think if we go back and just look at some of the direct data points Hmm. of COVID. So you mentioned earlier on about the election and how there was an absolute physical flick of the switch last election, last year in June, that it was like someone opened the gates and by Sunday, literally the phone was from agents was just going Mm -hmm. going nuts. As soon as as Australia knew who its new Prime Minister was going to be, things changed. The sentiment shift was was was, immediate. It was huge. But where I'm going to with this is the high-intent search activity, which was, you would think, at its peak after the election because everybody felt an element of security around policy and what have you. And so everybody, yeah, search intent was pretty big. Mm. However, during COVID- some of those data points showed that the high intent search activity was higher than before. than what it was yeah. at August last year, which if, if you were just relying upon that, you'd say, well, that doesn't make sense. We're, there's an, a massive an anomaly here. Mm. But it shows the strength of what people think of property as an asset class and mm. as a solid asset class, a safe asset class. Australia is unique in that regards, and I'm probably going to get these numbers wrong, but to your point, Victor, the inherent strength of the Australian economy and Steve, to your point, the attitudes Australians have towards wealth held in property. I think prior to COVID kicking off, Australia had the 12th biggest GDP mm-hmm. in the world. 13th is Russia, right? Yep. And we're a, a nation Ooh. of 25 million people, right? Like, I think we're within the top three wealthiest per capita people in the world. It's a great place, Australia. Mm-hmm. We put a lot of value in wealth and happiness. And in many ways, Australia has offset a lot of its sort of geopolitical stuff. The last 70 years, we've rested on our security being inherently linked with the US. So we've been able to focus on wealth creation and prosperity without having to spend squillions of dollars on defence because we've got a nice big partner. That's been good for Australia Mm -hmm. and has therefore helped Australia proceed through COVID-19. We've had pretty good policy from the government, done well, stimulated the economy, all this sort of stuff. However, If you go back, Victor, to, I think, April, you had one of the largest, or if not the largest bank in the land coming out saying, probably it's going to drop by 35%. Yep. Do you remember Mm. that? Yes. Yes. How did you react to that, considering this wealth that Australia has Mm -hmm. as a nation? Look, I think if you go back to our podcast, we debunked it straight away. Mm. It's not going to be a drop of 30%, right? And um, we had said that if at worst case, it'll be 5 or 10%, if that, right? And the reason for that was we're seeing things different on the ground, 
in terms of how people were reacting and all that. Of course, there would be some truth in the 30 or 40% drops because if you look hard enough, you will find a property that's actually done that where someone's in trouble and they had to offload, right? But it's not an average in terms of how big the drop is. And when you afford base it to today, now all the banks and all the data houses, they're all now saying plus 9% or some are, some are coming out and starting to slowly, uh, you know, pebble drop double digit figures. Mm. And this is where if you're investing by media, you will run into trouble, right? There's this professor that seems to come out every now and then and, um, you know. Harry uh, Dent. <laughs> he who should not be named. Uh, <laughs> How does the guy get any, anyway? Yeah. Uh, you, he, get, you know. he gets a lot of people to his seminars, though, where he sells yeah. them doom and gloom, don't buy property, buy some other really <laughs> crazy investment Yeah, it's probably, you know what it is? Knows about. A bunker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what he sells. I'm, That's right. I'm just yeah. making that up. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, you know, it, it's people like that that prey on fear-mongering mm. in that sense because we'd like to attend these seminars and know beforehand that it's going to be really negative and, hey, we were safe because we took action, right? The best form of action when you're investing is invest based on today's metrics but have your eye firmly on the goal of what you're trying to achieve and retain the fundamentals. Don't speculate. So let's go back to the 35% prediction. Mm. For was it 35%? 30, or 30 I think. 30%. But the other banks, the other banks being everyone but Commonwealth Bank I'm talking about because they had that prediction, all come out saying, I think ANZ was a little bit more considered. NAB was probably the most bullish, I think, 10% reduction. Yeah. yeah, so there was – but none of it was positive no. at the end of the day. And mm. I understand them having to protect their position, even if it was self-perpetuating to mm. a degree. But it left us in a really – well, not an awkward position, but on one side of the fence we would have maybe liked to have seen that mm-hmm. fall yeah. in asset price. But on the other side of the ledger that we, you know, we're saying, well, that's just not going to, it's not going to happen. Mm. Yeah. It was just a, I don't know, a psychological well, I, moment in time where yeah. we're saying, we are, I really don't care which way. Well, goes. I remember, I remember us discussing this and we went, you know what, it might happen in certain parts of the market. And we spoke about by memory, new build off the plan stuff sold to international investors, yeah. you know, going, and I think that has been hurt. We're at the same mm. 35% drop, 30%, I don't know, mm-hmm. but nowhere near that. But the sort of stuff, your investment grade assets, we called it early and so that's just not going to happen. Well, and we actually even hinted perhaps as a good way to describe it, that there might be some asset growth and we'll certainly see our incomes, i.e. rent, start to increase. And I would suggest to you that we've had somewhere between 10 and 12% value asset growth during the pandemic Absolutely. in a lot of the yep. areas, worst case held firm. Mm-hmm. And but we've certainly seen our income starting to increase. And here's from the weekend, and I was saying this to Vic on the one of our buyers agents was out at an open home. There was 135 people through the open home. 135. How long did that take? And this, well, is, this is in the 40 degree heat as well. Yeah. And where, this, where, whereabouts was this? This Not is. Tell us somewhere. Give me a, a basic geographic area, i.e., oh, the Cumberland Basin, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is all of Sydney for anyone that doesn't know. <laughs> no, it was, no a, it, was it, was it was a Sydney basin. Yeah, it was <laughs> a Sydney basin. <laughs> somewhere between Palm Beach, Wollongong, and the Blue Mountains, right? Somewhere in that. But general geographic area. You're ruining my story here. Yeah, sorry, mate. It's um, <laughs> what are we talking about now? 135 people, but the 40 degrees. 40 degrees. The open home was, I think, it was due to start at 11, but it was people were starting to queue up at 10. The street was just lined with people. Now, is that a representation of the buoyancy of the market to some degree? But I'd also suggest that the agent got it wrong to begin with in terms of maybe a little bit of bait advertising in the price bracket. 
big call. Not allowed to do that. Not allowed to, but um, there's always an explain away, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it, the fact that people came out in that sort of that temperature day and those numbers. The punters are hungry. Exactly. Yeah. It shows yeah. it shows the stability, if you will, of the market, but also the confidence in the asset mm. type. Yeah. So if you, if you look at the mechanics of it, right? So we, we began this year with New Year's resolution, you know, going to be a really good year, a round number. We'll design a decade and all that sort of stuff, right? And then we got locked down. The New Year's resolutions were still there in terms of the goals and financial goals and more so now because people have got disposable income, right? Mm. Lower interest rate. They haven't spent any money on overseas holidays. If anything, they've probably upgraded their car and all that sort of stuff. But when you look at that and look at what the future holds, we've got less property being built at the moment. We've got less property in the market more people that will qualify to purchase and come March next year. Even more people to qualify if APRA comes through with the changes. And then we look at how Australia has built its masses, right? And it is largely through migration. Mm. And Australia as a country has always been attractive to the brains that are outside, right? So the skilled migrants. Knowledge workers, yeah. yeah. And the way we handle COVID makes us even more attractive, so when the borders do open up and migration ramps up, you can absolutely guarantee that there'll be a huge brain drain into Australia. And that in itself will create the bubble yet again, based uh, also fueled by the lower interest rate, the lower stock on the market, mm. as well as people resetting their expectation to say, hang on, I better do something about my future. But here's where the danger lies in that. Is Speculation. Correct. Yeah. Is that as we start to so see- So you're saying invest in mining towns? <laughs> <laughs> no. It, um, but as we start to see the population growth because of that immigration, that you'll see the immediate uptake of some of the second grade asset types in terms of accommodation, mm-hmm. but then you'll see the development of more second grade investment stock hit the market because it's just a, a developer cannot sort of take that on. And mm. you'll start to see that pipeline- ramp up again. It always lurches from a point of equilibrium to oversupply, point of equilibrium to oversupply. However, what will also happen is those outer suburbs will continue to perpetuate because of a almost a Mm self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. And that's where the danger is, is that you don't start to cut the corners and look at areas that on social media platforms doing really, really well, but there may be no substance Mm -hmm. behind it. But there's been a lot, just coming back to the point though, there's been a lot of really good news lately. Loan deferrals mm-hmm. down coming ma- massively. Yeah. Job creation, you know, we've re-engaged. 700,000, I think. Yeah, so we're back to around about six, between 60 and 70% of before the job loss. Back at work. Those numbers, yeah. So that's a massive amount. And just put this into perspective, in such a short period of time. Mm. It's been, mm. in, call it six months. Yep. Well, it's just how elastic that is. It just reverted back to what it was. And, and this goes to the inherent strength, the Australian economy. Correct. Good, good leadership, let's call it. The attitude that Australians have towards wealth creation. And even now, like a lot of Aussies, after the GUC, they went, I don't want to be in that same place again. I'm going mm-hmm. to start probably paying down my mortgage faster than what I need to. A lot of people had big buffers in there with offsets well, and, the, the, and all this the sort of stuff. The data is that people are in front of their mortgages more so than in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, which is all good. Now, it's going to age you guys. but I'm, Like I'll, good I'll, wine. Like, yes. like good wine. I'm going to be nice about this. We spoke last podcast, and I guess going back further than that, at the start of the this year, go and listen to it because it's as relevant today than, than what it is right now. We did a two-part series on Design Your Decade. We did the first mm-hmm. five years and the next five years. 
And during that, we spoke about the relationships between strategy and tactics. And last podcast, we spoke about, I think we'll talk about the art of war or something other in relation to you were. how you need yeah. strategy mm-hmm. and tactics that drive strategy. And if you've got tactics without strategy, that's bad, right? You know, so you're just going to lose. So you guys have been in this game for a little while. So you're quite comfortable operating in this relationship between strategy and tactics. Now, tactics you can change immediately or pretty quickly to buttress, react to, changing environment, but largely your strategy can and should stay the same unless there's a wholesale shift. So have you guys gone about, considering you've gone through a number of market cycles, doing what you do as professionals, GFC, for example, in helping your clients focus on the strategy, not deviating from their strategy, but helping them understand what they need to do differently in this market to realize those opportunities, Steve? It's a little different this time because of the cost of money. Money. But the strategy should always have the elasticity to pivot slightly, but not 180 degrees. If you're moving, if you're changing Australia 180 degrees, it it was probably never right Mm. for you. It doesn't mean that it wasn't, it isn't a successful strategy, just not for you, not for your circumstances. But the thing for me that has never changed is always been around cash flow management. Mm. Now I'm going to be quite general here because I'm not going to be talking about you know, subpar areas and the like, but it's always been around cash flow management in good fundamentally strong areas. Let's call it metropolitan and strong regional. Let's mm-hmm. just bracket into that. Yeah. Because the strategy has been control the cash flow, then bracket creep in terms of asset value, not the other way around. It's for me and for Vic, it's never been around, well, let's go out and buy the $5 million investment property or whatever it may be with horrifically low cash flow mm. and then start to say to ourselves, how the hell do we create cash flow when I need it? It's always been about have the cash flow before you need it so that that buys you the mitigation and it buys you the potential to execute the opportunities, brackets COVID, so that you can take advantage of markets. Now, that doesn't mean positively geared properties or anything. It's, and I stress, it's cash flow management. So the strategy for us hasn't changed from before the GFC. Mm -hmm. Areas have, for sure. Price brackets have, for sure. But the end goal hasn't. Yeah. yeah. And when you look at it from a cash flow versus equity position or value proposition as such, cash flow is your lifestyle, right? So if you get into too negative a cash flow, you're going to end up resenting it and you'll pay the price as well. Whereas building the wealth, which happens in the background, and it is not something you can spend unless you're actually selling down or unless you're undertaking a strategy we don't agree with, in other words, tapping into equity to spend, that's your wealth, that's generational, right? So what we're trying to do in terms of investing and going absolute fundamental, forget all the high-flying, you know, buy these many properties, all the sort of stuff that's out there. What we're trying to do is buy a few select properties, that is in line with a financial fingerprint and pay them off so that we control the cash flow. And that's the bottom line. It's mm. not about transitioning into retirement no. with a ton of debt. It's about how do we retire the mm. debt? Because at the end of the day, that's the holy mm. grail. How do you know if your strategy is broken? You're talking about 180 shifts, right? Which is mm. a complete reversal. And if you end up in that situation, you've obviously embarked on the wrong strategy. How do you know? It's usually a combination of potentially the cash wrong- Cash flow probably. Yeah, yeah, the wrong strategy, yeah. but also your own personal- mismanagement mm. of yourself and your own mm-hmm. finances. And if, As it, we, if it keeps up, uh, keeps you up at night, it's broken. Yeah, if you can't sleep at night to begin with, it's probably not for you. Yeah. But my fear as we move into the next cycle is that people will forget about those absolute necessary fundamentals mm-hmm. and the speculation 
will start to increase. And for us as advisors, our role is to actually keep a grip on that to mm-hmm. make sure that we're not throwing excessive caution to the wind. I think there's always a time in a cycle where you can, I would say, double down or be a little bit more tactically aggressive or methodical, but that doesn't mean going you know, black or white yeah, you know, or heads or tails. And considering the work you've been doing this year, Victor, with your clients and helping them respond to COVID and see opportunity in that, but mm-hmm. imagine some of it would have been emergency management for people as well. What sort of philosophy have the best investors embraced in terms of responding to change and being open to change and using your ability to react to change as a tool of, you know, capitalizing opportunities rather than being impeding on opportunities. Yeah, and the quality of your results and the results you have comes back to the quality of the question you keep asking yourself, mm. right? And the question one needs to ask is, how can I use the economic situation, the health situation, to benefit my situation, right? Rather than asking, how can I not be a casualty of this? You need to be asking, how can I benefit from the current circumstances because it, it then turns it totally around and so gets it's not you a victim di- mindset no no yeah. you look at it from a viewpoint of you know how can i benefit and the benefit could be do nothing mm. uh, the benefit could be let's offload a few properties and replace them with better performing assets or it could be let's restructure our mortgages or let's accumulate let's flip back from the pay down phase into accumulation again and let's accumulate really well the select properties in line with the interest rates and the portfolio cash flow so that we can benefit from the inevitable strong rise in property prices as the years come by but the market will dictate that as Absolutely. well as, as will your own circumstances mm-hmm. and it's i think it's really important to understand that but also i'd say that we didn't see the runoff in asset value as well because of the quality and the amount of education that is now available. There's no excuse to not be educated in this market. Yeah. And And then the reason why we do this, right? What a great opportunity for us to make sure or help people not make those mistakes that a lot of them have made in the past. Absolutely. And there will be people that did suffer, unfortunately, Mm. in their assets or had to sell down because of their own maybe circumstances that were out of their control through job loss and the like. But the amount of education, the quality education that is out there and it is free it is readily available Mm. to everybody and you should never stop educating yourself and use this COVID experience and put it in the back of your head for the next time that it happens so guess what there's going to be another crisis in the future there will be and you know you'll be around for it and you can then take advantage of that opportunity Mm. on however it presents itself because you went through this and you you learned so if you entered COVID not in good shape make sure that when the next crisis happens you're in better shape Absolutely not a bad goal. Now, you guys spoke about getting locked up in uh, Perth um, Mm. back in March. Have you been on the plane since? No, no. When are you back on planes? And where are you going? So (laughs) (laughs) we actually haven't – I think Perth was our last – I think we got one of the last planes out of Perth. It was – It's like the last plane out of Kaysan, right? Yeah. (laughs) Should we sing? Maybe. Do you know what? As a Christmas special for me, Mm. I'd love for you to do a parody of Kaysan for you guys. Do you know I used to be in a band? What, you were a drummer. No, I was a singer. Oh, were you? Yeah, only for a day. We political pro- in, inviting. <laughs> I think I was eight. It's, um, but right. no, I think the yeah, I think Perth was our last flight. We're only talking about when we have, and so going from flying literally almost every week, every fortnight mm. to nothing has been so refreshing. But now we're ready to go again. Ready to go. It, uh, but we don't know where. Well, we do. It, um, <laughs> do you guys sit there and just get like a big spinner on a map of Australia and it goes. Brrr. 
<laughs> Looks like we're going to Darwin. No, no. We've, we've, we've actually, as I mentioned earlier on, we've got to get you know, face-to-face with our team in other states and yeah. continue the training and also keep our fingers on the pulses of the market from a ground truth mm. point of view, which we've always banged on about. Where to first? I would probably say whoever lets us in. <laughs> there you go. And, and then lets us back out. Yeah. yeah. So, so the biggest danger over here is that if we go out and um, they lock us out, we're out for two or three weeks. Yes, so, right. So, yeah. yeah. You got to, yeah. And, and this is sort of, you know, there's challenges with that and mm-hmm. risk reward. And, you know, it's, you can do a lot without having to jump on a plane. But to your mm-hmm. point, Steve, you need the ground truth. You've got to get on the plane and see what's going. Now, um, we've spoken a lot about the year that's passed. Let's look into 2021 really quickly. Um, we've got another five minutes. What, Victor, do you need to be doing differently this year as you plan for the year ahead? So you've got this period over Christmas. Yep. What do you do? Look, the first thing is that you need to take a couple of days to take stock, right? Mm. So first off, you need to know how much money is coming in into the coffers to begin with and then work out how much money is going out, right? So once you've got that baseline, perhaps look at what's the things that are happening or due to happen in 2021. One of the biggest milestones would be in March where uh, lending will change, responsible lending will change to responsible borrowing. And that is something that if you haven't been able to restructure mortgages and all that sort of stuff, you need to have take a strong, hard look at it. But you need to hit the ground running, right? So I know you're listening to this over Christmas, but as you hit January, you need to pull the trigger because before you know it, with the moving targets and the, and the, and the rapid changes that are going to come in with COVID, with finance, with life in general, it will get lost in the clutter. So you need to get some traction happening straight away. Call your mortgage broker, call us in terms of getting a review done on your portfolio so that we can reset it based on the metrics as they unfold. And it doesn't mean that you have to buy property. Mm. Uh, It could all mean that we need to go back and bat down a few of the properties far better. And certainly look at it from both an acquisition and debt minimization process going into 2021. Mm. I think there's a few other points as well that people need to take into account, such as the stamp duty changes. Yep, huge changes. um, For New South Wales and already for Victoria. Victoria. And there's the potential for other states to follow as well but to your point Vic around as you're listening to this over Christmas and you're setting yourself maybe some resolutions and some goals and and what have you that so is everybody else Mm -hmm. and everybody is going to come back to work and they're going to be leaning on their advisors to get appointments whether it be accountants investment advisors or brokers and say what can I do now but you and a thousand other people I would suggest to get in early and book those appointments for whatever it may look like and if it is around securing finance or even shuffling debt, so to speak, get in early. If it's around reviewing your own circumstances and your numbers, it may not be, as Vic said, about purchasing, but it might be about extrapolating more cash flow from the portfolio because there's a lot of areas around Australia where rents are increasing dramatically and you need to be on top of that. In fact, it wouldn't go a week go past where I don't sit with a client and we don't identify that they are below market mm-hmm. rent because that's how quickly it is moving. Well, and we'll do a case study on this, Steve, um, for Smart Property Investment listeners on our portfolio. For your so portfolio, we, yeah. We're yeah. going to do that. Um, and we'll do that before Christmas, yep. uh, long overdue. Well, not really long overdue, but um, where we sort of speak regularly around, you know, just the other week on how we're underwater, underweight on some of our rents. And, um, mm. 
you know, strategically, I've just, I haven't renewed them. So we jack them back up when we can, but I didn't want to be losing people over Chrissy and stuff. Right? I remember, so. yeah, and that's a, that's a very valid point mm. as well. And just as a side note, if you are, if you have got property that is at the end of its tenant lease, consider keeping them month to month. Mm-hmm. Until that's what the, I've done. Yeah, until yeah. the early new year, until... Well, for example, uh, we've got a property change. out in Mount Drew at two fifty when really the market rent's two eighty. Yeah, you know, oh, every day, every day of the stuff, week. But you know. then, if you combine that with the minimisation of some of the mortgage rates as well, mm-hmm. and it is a monumental cash mm-hmm. balance shift. Shift. Yeah. But so too is every, and this is my point. Everybody, because if you haven't re- reviewed your rents over the last six months, there's a good chance you're behind in a lot of good strong areas. So there's a lot of moving parts. Hit the ground running. Be prepared because I believe next year. Well, I think we said it a couple of podcasts ago. It, it'll be there'll be a tale over the next couple of years of should have, would have, could have. Yeah, yeah you don't want to be that because you speak to any successful investor and you go, "Oh, what's the biggest mistake or regret in property investing?" They they'll go, "I wish I did more when I could have." And I think probably this is going to be one of those could have periods. Potentially, it could be. Yeah, depending where you're buying. But so, what about for you guys? Like, I know you're going to have some time off. It's cool, but mm-hmm. um. Uh, preparing for 2021, you happy to do some portfolio reviews for people, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, and it's it's get in touch with us quite early because mm-hmm. it does book out pretty quickly mm. and we do have to be careful with our time. But uh, happy to do so, always have had. The more information that you have, the better decisions that we can help you form. How do people do that, Vic? So go onto our website and um, plug in the um, your details on the contact me form or you can uh, ping us directly on Facebook. Yeah. And that's easy. Just that's easy. Just could do yeah. that, and you spend some time with people and see what's going on. Yep. Yeah, it's a good sounding board. I, I highly recommend it. It might get you thinking about your portfolio different, or if you haven't yet started, um, what a great time to start designing your decade during mm-hmm. this period, Victor, and and entering twenty twenty one as a new to market property investor. Because uh, I think back would have, could have, should have um, when we started buying. In 2011, Steve? It was a long time ago. Nine years ago. And, th- uh, and think I, I reckon that went. I could have easily, easily doubled down back then. Yeah. But you've got to play within your yeah. frameworks and yeah. capacities. And wish a I, lot of those are psychological. Yeah. Wish I did. But yeah. um, anyway, won't make that mistake again. Maybe. <laughs> Big call. <laughs> well, thanks, Chancellor. It's been a really good 2020, I wouldn't have thought when we started kicking off this year that we'd end up where we are at this uh, side of the year, but we're, we're still standing. We're still doing this. We're Another still going hard. Look forward to next year. I think um, uh, it's going to be good navigating 2021 with you guys um, as we sort of take hold for what is going to be a big shift and big change, you know, around lending and all this sort of stuff. So, All the ingredients are there. Yes, yeah. nice one. So thanks so much for your time and thanks for the year. Thank you. And uh, to all the listeners uh, of Investing uh, Insights, uh, Merry Christmas and uh, we'll see you in 2021. Nice one. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.